morning, everyone. Can y'all hear me just fine? Fantastic. All right. Well, it's great to be back with you. Uh, really impressed by Pastor uh, Tankersley actually remembering those three points. That's impressive. Uh, I can't remember names. Uh, I, I can maybe remember faces, and I try to remember details, but you remembered three of them. That's fantastic. Well, today, uh, since it is your homecoming, I thought I'd talk about come home. So uh, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. And you know this story very well. Jesus tells three parables in this chapter, Luke 15. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and then finally a lost son. And we'll talk about this prodigal son, this lost son, in Luke chapter 15. Uh, it was maybe uh, last week, maybe the week before, I saw a, uh, a tweet on Twitter that it broke my heart. Um, I, you know, my wife and I have this sort of uh, kind of running joke where I don't like to show emotion. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it behooves me very well to uh, show all my emotions to my wife. I'd, I'd rather just keep them hidden up and I, you know, I don't. That may not be the best practice, but it's what I like to do. And so we watch movies, and if it's, you know, there's some, we were talking about it the other night, I think Friday night, she wanted to watch a football movie. All right, what we got? We got Rudy. Let's see, there's a blind side. We, oh, but the blind side, there's tragedy. I don't like that. And we were going through the movies, and all the good ones, you know, oh, but there's that tragedy. I don't like that. I don't like to deal with hard emotions, especially in young people who have a tragedy in their life. And I'd like to avoid that, if at all possible, which means it rules out basically any Disney football movie. So <laughs> I try not to uh, get wrapped up in my motion or show it. But this tweet a few weeks ago broke my heart. And I, I was reminded of it as I was preparing this sermon. It was a tweet from a middle-aged man. And it was a picture. You could tell the picture is at least a decade old, maybe two decades old. And the picture there is of a father and his son. And their arms are around each other. They're smiling. The son has his head thrown back in laughter. You can tell there's love. You can tell there's joy. There's excitement in the son. And there's closeness between the two. But the tweet that accompanied the picture said this. Happy birthday, son. I don't know where you are or what you're doing but I'm thinking of you today and every day. And if I could tell whoever that son is, something, it's the same thing I want to say to you. Come home. It's never too late. Come home and be with your father. So today in Luke 15, I want you to join me in uh, verse 11 to begin. And I'll take you through this prodigal path. The first step here in verse 11 says this, there is a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, go ahead and give me the share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there's a severe famine in the country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody gave him any. So this first part of a prodigal path is a squandering. This young man, he's, he's restless, he's discontent, and of course he's wasteful. Well, he's the type of person that counts down the days until he can get out of the house, right? I can't wait till I'm 18, I'm out of here. He wants to get out of his house, he wants to leave his hometown. He's ambitious, right? So you know he's going to go do big things. Go do great things. Maybe great in a bad way, but he's going to do great things. He's going to see the world, but he's young enough and he's naive enough that you know he's going to wreck himself. That's a prodigal son. I'm ready to go. You're ready in your mind. You're not ready in temperament. So he's going to squander it. Proverbs 20, 21 says this, an inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed in the end. So if you're a financial advisor, you know that means you take out your Roth you know, IRA five years too early, you don't get that last compounding interest, right? Jesus is not talking about financial terms here. And the idea in Proverbs that inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end, this tells me two things about this younger son. I mean, he claims his inheritance before he can manage it and before his father has passed away. So if you look here, what, he, what he's saying here is this boy doesn't appreciate his father. He'd rather have money than to have his dad. That's a poor perspective, and it's going to bring him poverty. But number two, he will not find success because he can't manage the inheritance. You know, some of us, we pray, you know, for things in our life that is, you know, as Garth Brooks says, you know, some of God's greatest gifts is unanswered prayers. That you sometimes do not get what you are praying for, no matter how hard you pray for it. And that could very well be a blessing from God, because if you were to receive an inheritance that you cannot manage, it will ruin you. And the prodigal son gets his inheritance way too soon. His father hasn't even passed away. In fact, his father is still growing the inheritance to leave to him. He prematurely grabs a small fortune, and because his desires are wrong, he wastes it away. Look at verse 13. He set off for a distant country. All right, he's great, ungrateful to his father. He's got a low view of his home. He doesn't understand how good he has it. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Poor desires brought him poverty, even though he had wealth. Even with wealth, his poor desires brought him poverty. In 2002, there was a 19-year-old uh, a garbage man in the UK. He won $15 million in the lottery at 19 years old. Fantastic. He's not going to have to collect garbage anymore. But here's the news headline. I love this headline. 19-year-old garbage man winning $14.4 million lottery. Spent it all on drugs, gambling, and prostitutes. Now he's a garbage man again. <laughs> and they've interviewed him several times for several publications. And it, he has sort of a comical view of it. He's come around 
to the second step on this prodigal path, really, of, of understanding what happened. He squandered, first of all, because he had poor desires, and it brought him poverty. You have to change the desires, and that begins with a robust relationship with God. But Jesus Christ, if you focus on him, he is Lord over your life, directing your steps. The Holy Spirit will change your desires, make you new, and bring you wealthy desires, not to be that the end of your life is, of course, financially wealthy, but that you will have rich desires to have a rich relationship and a rich life with God. So, our friend in the UK is having a great time picking up garbage again because he squandered his small fortune, just like the prodigal son. Poor desires will bring you poverty. You've got to aim higher. So the consequence of his wild living, get this, is that now he's got to live in the wild. So look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the country, and he began to be in need. So not only did he squander his wealth, there's not a lot of wealth to go around to help him out either. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he was just hoping that he could get what the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So Jesus's audience would have been uh, rather alerted by this imagery, this boy's proximity to swine, because all these great people in modern-day Israel know that swine is a big no-no, and hanging out with them and trying to eat what they eat is just not kosher. So Jesus, I'm glad y'all got that pun. Very good. Come on. Jesus is making the case here. I mean, the trust fund kid can get, go destitute real fast. And of course, Jesus, not talking about a financial lesson here, is saying that living, wild living, will leave you spiritually destitute. It will ruin your life. He's giving them a new perspective on their relationships with each other and then their life with God. Because so many have tried to prematurely separate themselves, either from God, from their church, their home, their parents, what have you. And they go for wild living. They find that at the end of their life, they wonder why they weren't blessed. Claimed your inheritance too soon. At the end, it won't be blessed. You did everything wrong. You left your father. You wonder why your father isn't with you. You left him. Wild living, it will rob you of your inheritance. It will leave you spiritually destitute. And I'll tell you this, uh, Jesus is calling us to so much more than the squandering. And failure is not really in God's playbook. So I got a feeling there's something else for this boy in store. Let's go to verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, that's pretty uh, important, when he came to his senses. Because the squandering is not right thinking. Squandering is foolishness. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, I'm starving to death. So I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your servants. Hire me. So he got up, and he went to his father. This is so important to the son's story. 
in a spiritual walk, you're headed for redemption, there has to be a point where someone realizes they're wrong. You have to sober up to the squandering. So squandering is first, but the second part of a prodigal passage is this sobering, a coming to the senses, a realizing what we have squandered, what we have left behind, and a desire to obtain it again. You have to recognize sin, in other words. I've messed up here. I have bad desires over here. I crave the wrong stuff. And then, get away from it. That's the sobering. I smell like a pig. I have to leave. Verse 20, I love this. This is a brief summary of the whole Christian life, by the way. Spiritually destitute, away from home, but realizing our errors, we put down that stuff, we believe in Christ to forgive our sins and make us new, so we get up and we go to our Father. I would be really happy if Luke 15.20 was on my obituary. I would love that great summary of my life and my future. Here lies Michael Fry, dead at, you know, 120 years old. He leaves behind four children, 17 grandchildren. He was loved and respected by his family. He gave his life to advance the kingdom of God. And he had great success proclaiming the name of Jesus and trying to make the world a better place for people. And here he has desired to advance himself, so he got up and went to his father. That's a way to end it. I love that verse. He squandered everything. But that's not the end of the prodigal son. Get up and go to your father. Come home. Acts 3.19 says this. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, the father not remembering them anymore, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This boy needs a shower real bad. He needs refreshing. He needs forgiveness, and he's squandered his wealth. But the one solution is simply this. Get up and go back to your father. Go home. Repent. And just come back. That's the only thing he has to do. So now he's on the right path. He's in a bad shape, but he's on the right path at least. Want to be a better person? Hey, do you want a better life? How about a new life? Do you want to be a new person? Simple. You take a sobering look at what you have squandered, and then you get up and you go to your father. Take a sobering look at what you've squandered, and then you get up and you take it to your father. Repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. Not that they're held over your head. He'll wipe them out and make you new so that he will refresh you. Come home. There's a squandering, there's a sobering, but last, there's a celebration. This is our third step in a prodigal path. We too can have the celebration. The second part of verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Y'all get that? There's no grudge. And his father had every right to hold a grudge. I was working on building this wealth for you. You took the money and ran. If you had stayed, you would have even had more wealth. You would have had a relationship with me. 
you would have had a bright future. But you took this little thing and ran because you despised me so much, apparently. That's not what his father does. He has compassion on him. Now, you'll see in the final part of this passage that the older brother does hold a grudge. And we can find ourselves sometimes in that, that side of the passage as well. Maybe we're the older brother. Because the older brother, you know, he comes in from the fields. He's been working, doing his job. And he says, what are y'all doing throwing a party? Your brother came back. And we're throwing him a party? I've done everything right. I stayed on the farm. This boy went off to college, went nuts. I've been working for you. I've been building my own wealth here. I've never even been to Las Vegas. I didn't do some crazy TikTok challenge. I've done everything right in my life. And this rascal gets a party. The father is reflective of the passage of the lost sheep a few verses earlier in Luke 15 where he says, Jesus says this, heaven rejoices so much more for one sinner who repents than for 99 righteous people who don't repent. There is a job that we have to do here. This boy has sobered up and he's simply come back. And he, doesn't, he didn't come back for the celebration. He came back humbly. He just wanted to be with his dad. He didn't come to be the honored son. He came to be a servant. So now I have a job for this boy. I have to celebrate him. He came back to me. He repented. So I rejoice. And here's what I like here in, in verse uh, 21. The son said to him, Father, here's his rehearsed speech, right? Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. <laughs> and you know, you've probably done this. If you've ever been in trouble, uh, and you mentally rehearsed your story, right? So you can plead it out to, you know, your parent or, you know, somebody in authority or whatever. I love this, though. The dad does not even acknowledge this rehearsed speech. Doesn't even pay attention to it. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Shades of Joseph, the honored son, maybe even the favorite son in this, this case. Bring the best robe you've got. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. He's my son. Put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast to celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. One of the things so captivating about this father is not just, you know, he's so unconcerned with the son's appeal. I mean, stop trying to make this right. You can't make it right. You took the fortune and left. Stop trying to defend yourself. You're home, and I'm happy about that. I love that. He doesn't respond to his son. He just tells his servants, man, get the, get the party going. My son is home. He was lost, and he's found again. There's a, uh, an ancient Near East uh, custom when greeting someone to escort them into your home. I find that very interesting here, and, and Jesus knows this, obviously. Verse 20, where it says, the father sees him in the distance, and the father ran to his son to throw his arms around him. An ancient Near East custom was this. 
that if someone was coming to your home, it was customary to go out of the home to receive them and bring them in. And the more honorable the guest, the further up the road you meet them to bring them in. If you remember, th this is um, portrayed well in 2 Kings, uh, if you remember the story of, it's Elisha and Naaman. Naaman is a general in the Syrian army who has leprosy. And he's decided that maybe the God of Israel is good enough to cure his leprosy. And Elisha hears about it and says, just bring him down here, come on. I'll tell you how to get rid of that leprosy. So Naaman and his whole entourage are on their way to Elisha's house. Well, they make it all the way to Elisha's house. And then Elisha stays in his house and sends out his servant and says, hey, go tell him, you know, Naaman, just go dip in the river seven times. Jordan, I know, it's, I know it looks muddy. Just tell him to get in there. It'll cure his leprosy. He'll be fine. So the servant goes out and tells, you know, Naaman, here's what you do. And he's furious. Don't you know who I am? I'm a general in the Syrian army. Elisha should have met me when I got out of Damascus and brought me all the way. I came to his house. He didn't even come out. This is insulting. When I was in, when I was, uh, you know, coming home from college, I would uh, leave Athens and, and head to Columbus where my parents live on the motorcycle and I remember the first time that I, I made that trip on, on a motorcycle that I was getting pretty tired. It was a small bike. I was, you know, it, it was my first, first motorcycle that I owned, so it was a really small bike, so it was kind of hard to ride it a long distance. Um, I remember I was getting real tired, and I was in probably Upson County, and I saw a motorcycle coming towards me, and man, that motorcycle looks familiar. And then as it got closer, it gave me a wave. And it wasn't just the usual motorcycle wave. It was a, this guy leaned out of his bike and stared at me as he passed. I went, that's my dad. <laughs> and so I slowed down, and my dad turned around and came, and, and the two of us went the rest of the way home. And he did that any time I came home. He would always come out to meet me. And one, of course, because he just he loves to ride a motorcycle and he needs any excuse to go out, he'll take it. But also because he wants to be with his son. And he also wanted to give me the respect because my dad loves Old Testament stuff too and he, he wants to give me that respect that he knows which is to come out and to greet me and to bring me into the house. And so over time, I tried to beat him home because I thought, you know, I don't want him to inconvenience him. And also, I mean, he's just such a much better writer than me. I'm just trying, maybe I'll beat him this time. So each time I'd come home, I'd try to make sure I could somehow get him earlier and earlier so that he wouldn't have to come out of Muskogee County. Maybe I can get inside Muskogee County before he gets me. And I'd keep score, basically. One time I was ready. I was like, you know, I'm going to kick it this time. This is when I had a, a much bigger bike. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to kick it. You know, I'll get past... Uh, Madison and traffic, you know, lightens up. I mean, I'm going to just rip it, and I'm going to get down to Columbus before he even gets out of his house. And about halfway on the trip is a t little town called Forsyth. Maybe you've been there. It's on I-75. 
And I remember about Forsyth, I'm like, all right, halfway, and let's, you know, let's get ready. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it in this last, you know, half of the journey here. And as I'm going past the courthouse, main square in Forsyth, there he is, his bike's parked, and he's just sitting there waiting on me. <laughs> and I always think of him when I think of this story, where the respect shown by the father, man, this son smells like a pigsty. This son has been living in a pigsty. This son has robbed his father. This son has left his dad. The mission, whatever his real estate, uh, whatever, whatever they were trying to accomplish in, in his dad's business, whatever, his son has abandoned him. He's robbed him. He's undermined him. He's disrespected him. And at first sight, his dad runs out to meet him. And this is a picture, of course, of our God. For God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while you smell like the pigs that you've been sleeping with, after you squandered your life away, whatever that is in your life, God is running toward you even now. The message, come home, is one that cannot be failed. He's not going to stay on the porch and watch you. God is running towards you. So Jesus said, of course, in the earlier part of chapter 15, all I need is one sinner who will repent and I will throw a celebration. I am so thankful for the 99 righteous people who are getting it done on the farm. I appreciate those people. I love those people. And they will get their full inheritance, of course. But if you will turn away from that prodigal lifestyle, if you will just understand what you squandered, sober up from a little bit, and just come home, there will be a celebration. The lost son was found, and his father gave him a celebration. Listen. If you've squandered anything in your life and it's been sobering you up a little bit, you hear, repent, believe in Christ, and your Father will give you life. Hey, look, we're going to sing a song here. Um, I'm going to say a prayer. After that prayer, I'll stand down here. And what I'm inviting you to do is to come home. And maybe that means something to do with forest heights maybe that's a church membership maybe that's a baptism maybe that's i don't know maybe it's saying i need to just get up and come to my father and if that's you i'm gonna turn my mic down i'll stand right there if you need to talk about something i'd love to tell you god is running towards you come home let's pray heavenly father thank you for this picture that you've given us this parable that Jesus has told us, but this picture of you, one of compassion, one of uh, the reality of our lives, of a squandering, how we can, uh, how it can sober us the way that we have failed. But Lord, uh, thank you for the celebration that you have in store for each and every one of us. And that if we will just come up to our Father, a repent to leave the sin, leave the squandering, that you will do the rest.
thank you for running towards us. I ask that if anyone here today doesn't know you, if anyone today is uh, living what they would consider a squandering life, something they need to get fixed, Lord, I ask that they would not leave without fixing it with you. I ask that you give them peace, that you give them a future, and that because of that, we can all celebrate. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.